Welcome to another episode of Dr. Me First. It's me, your colleague in medicine and your coach in life, Dr. freaking Aaron Wiseman. And we are kicking off January right with a whole stream of my good friends. That's right. I thought who better to start the year with than some women who I think are absolutely bomb ass amazing. So starting off right is Dr. Sonel Patel. She's a fellowship trained neonatologist who has taken a different road. She's an entrepreneur. She's a fellow physician, hashtag mom of four. And we talk about what it means to be renaissance and the work that she's doing around the fourth trimester. So stick around, listen to our conversation, and then get my kick of encouragement afterwards. But before we head into that, remember, I joined the Doctors Podcast Network. And part of that commitment, along with being in a group of just some fabulous physicians who are also podcasting, is we bind together to talk about some ads. So let's make some money and pay some bills. Let me tell you about Physician Tax Advisors. Why pay Uncle Sam more money than you need to when it comes to tax time? right? So the good news is you don't have to, but you might need some help from some experts. So John McCarthy, a co-founder of the Physician Tax Advisors and his team of CPAs have a combined total of over 60 years of experience helping physicians save money. Hello, we all need that. They know around the time your taxes are due that it's added stress to your already full plate. Get the help you need and save money while you're at it with Physician Tax Advisors. This firm is a physician family-owned practice and exclusively works with physicians to lower your tax bill. By specializing in physician finances, John and his team have helped many docs with high student loan debt decide if they need to file taxes married, filing joint, or separate? Hmm, good question. So run the numbers and know working with John just makes sense. Check them out at drpodcastnetwork.com backslash CPA. Okay, let's go. Welcome to the podcast, my fellow physician, entrepreneur, and most importantly, my friend, Dr. Sonel Patel. Thanks for coming back to Dr. Me First. Oh, thank you for, yeah, it's been a long time, but I was excited. It has been a long time. Looking back, you were actually episode number 24. So like three years ago, all the way back there. Wow. That's amazing that you have archives now. That is so proud of you. That's ridiculous. Absolutely. So for the folks who weren't listening back in 2018, tell them a little bit about yourself, who you are and what you're doing in the world. Oh, thank you. Um, okay. So my name is uh, Samuel Patel. I am um, an MD. I'm a pediatrician trained. I also did NICU fellowship um, and also I'm a breastfeeding specialist. So about uh, three, four years ago, I left academics um, to add to the mix of that, too. I'm a mom of four amazing boys and married to a trauma orthopedic surgeon. So a lot going on. And um, I think what your show always highlights is burnout. And I was kind of feeling that as well. But I didn't really want to step away fully from clinical practice. And then my own professional and personal experiences just taught me that the postpartum niche or i.e. the fourth trimester just really needed 
little bit more attention than it was getting. So I opened my home health company. We focused just on the postpartum care. Um, We do everything but the OB part. So we'll bring the whole clinic to the home. We will do breastfeedings. Um, I also clip anterior ties if they need to be clipped. And it's a two-month program. So moms and babies can actually rest and recover at their homes. That's right. Gosh, it's so phenomenal. I love that you go into people's homes and take care of them and their baby all at the same time. You're actually one of the first people that introduced the terminology of the fourth trimester to me. So for those folks who didn't listen back in 2018, they haven't followed you. Talk a little bit about your growth and how things have changed over the past couple of years um, since getting started there in Colorado. So just as any business and entrepreneur, you've got to figure out where your market is and how best to serve it. And then you always have to kind of change with the times. And so I learned over the years that it was really nice to partner up with pediatricians. And then they are, then you have a source of referral. So it was great. And COVID really helped, I have to say, because it really opened people's eyes to oh, we can actually provide care in home care. And I don't necessarily have to go through this system that has been created. And I can do the way that I need to do it. And COVID just really blew it over. Um, I initially, I remember the first year, I probably did like 10 (laughs) babies in the year. And this year, this last year with COVID, we have done over 100 plus babies and diets. It's been phenomenally wonderful and great. And every month it's growing. So, and I was able to hire an administrator. Wow. (laughs) Like that was amazing. I know. And then we're also, so my background is in the NICU. And so now we're working with, in the process of working with a couple of NICU, NICUs here as well. That's still in its infancy, but as a NICU provider or as a physician, I always noticed that we like jam packed all the discharge stuff, like right in the last couple of days and they would go home and there's this imbalance that happens, right? So they're just sent all of this stuff. Sometimes the pediatricians, which are fabulous, but are not comfortable with more of the higher risk ones. And these babies are just kind of falling in the cracks. So we're starting with that as well too. So I'm super excited for what the next I love that. You're totally leveraging your superpower of being a neonatologist and doing it in the way that you want to do it mm-hmm. instead of fit into the hospital and conform to the shape of the hospital or the NICU policies that you might not evidently believe in. Instead, you're saying like, no, 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 I can take care of babies really well in this setting. And really, you can take care of families really well. I love following you on Instagram and seeing you get out your scale that you get out of your car and you bring into the home and all the pictures you have of babies that you're taking care of in there. It really reminds me of my childhood idol of Dr. Quinn medicine woman. (laughs) Yeah. You're Dr. Quinn's medicine woman. That's awesome. I forgot about her. That is awesome. I will take that. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, let's get into your word today and let's talk a little bit more about Nia Care. But your word specifically, 
well, there's two of them. It's fourth trimester and Renaissance. And when I think about Renaissance, I think about Leonardo da Vinci. But I know that you've got a totally different definition. And so share it with us. I want to hear. Yes. So I think as when you transition from being a physician to an entrepreneur, because you don't learn business at all in medicine, it's scary. But it's also very eye-opening that you have all these abilities that you can do whatever and create whatever you want. And when I thought of the word renaissance, so now I have like 20 billion things I'm doing. And we were talking before that in medicine, there's a mindset of you're going to go down this path and this path's the only path you have to do for the rest of your life. Like you are going to be one of those old docs that's going to retire and stepping away from that and looking at it, and you said the word leverage too, you're just leveraging not only your MD, but you are not just a physician. Like that's not all it is. You are all these other things. And the word renaissance just meant to me as a time period where you could not only be a painter, but you could be a musician or you could discover the biggest science discoveries and stuff like that. And it was accepted. It was just like, oh, that's what you did. You know, you're not just only a doctor, but you are also a creator. And in this time period, it feels like that is not accepted. That becomes more of like, oh, my God, you really do that? And when you actually look at all of us, we have so much more to bring to the table than just our medicine aspect of it. So that's why I chose the word renaissance. Yeah, I love it. And that's why we're such good friends, because... We, I think we both recognize that you can be both and. Like, it's not mutually exclusive. You can be mother. You can be doctor. You can run your own business. And you can be happy. Because I had a lot of role models as I was coming up through medicine that it was either like, okay, you're a good doctor and a shitty mom, or you're a good mom and a shitty doctor. And so I just love to have the example that you you really can be both. I know the cliche, a lot of people is like, oh, you can have everything just not at the same time. Yeah. I don't know that that's evidently true. I, I think it's about this word of renaissance. So where has a renaissance flourished in you lately? So initially was back before medicine, I used to write a lot. And then I've gotten a couple of articles published um, on Kevin MD and white women's white um, coat and uh, on Scary Mommy. And I was just like, you know what, I'm going to actually harness this because I enjoy writing about this subject, about the fourth trimester. I enjoy people knowing about my experiences. And so I'm in the process of publishing a book in February, hopefully everything goes right. So I'm super excited about that. But I don't think I would have taken that leap if I would have just pigeonholed myself that, oh, I was a writer back then, but now I can't be, you know? So that was one. So an author and a writer. So that's that's awesome. Um, I've written a couple of poetry too, which hasn't been published, but I love doing that. And then I'm in the process of actually creating a, a little short movie. And that has been wonderful to be able to use that side of my brain. So yes, we're doing all of that. Doctor, mom, author, movie creator. Hopefully producer soon. That's right. I know. know. It'd be so exciting. (laughs) Multi-business owner. Oh, it's so important. Because really, when we can take the filters off of ourselves and say, like, fuck you and your labels, I'm going to do it my way and it's going to be a okay. Oh, so much flourishes from that. 
also, I at this point, I think it's important to note, like letting go of the perfectionistic side, because it's really trying to trap us into one lane. Like, oh, if you can't do it perfectly, then you shouldn't do it at all. Where we both know from entrepreneurship, like bumps and mistakes, just part of the journey. It's not really failure. It's really all feedback. And it just lets you know in the future, like just to try it a little bit differently. Because I mean, think about all the people who were one career and then they're like in the Renaissance. Oh, I'm going to go be a painter. And now they are prolific. So my own example is recently in this last year, I started selling stickers for Burnt Out to Badass. And what I soon realized is like, I'm not a goods business. I'm not in a merchandise. I'm a service business. But I had a lot of fun and I got a lot of feedback from it. And now I know. Yeah. But I think the one word that you mentioned, perfectionism and perfectionist, I think it's kind of geared into us through medical school, through residency, that we need to be perfect at our job. And even when you were sitting on M&M, you're like, oh, I wouldn't have done that. You know, you were judgmental and you're just like, no, it's not. That's why we have M&Ms, right? We have to learn from them. But you know, in the back of your head, you're like, oh, I would have never let that pass. Or I'm glad that's not my patient because you're just trained to be a perfectionist. And I think that's one thing I learned with entrepreneurship is that you can make those mistakes. Like you said, you can make those bumps and there are feedbacks. They are not failures. So, and even with patient care, it's not the fact that you will care and you'll go to the depths of it is beyond like, that's amazing. And then on top of that, if something happens, sometimes it's not in your control. It's just Yeah. Not. Let's just say most of the time it is not in our control. We deal with real human creatures, not the textbooks. And I think that's one thing that we have to get past and we have to get out of our culture. That is, if you answer all the multiple choice questions right, then you will be perfect and you will have perfect outcomes. Because no, you could do everything in the book, everything by the algorithm, And you still get them crashing and burning. And then all of a sudden, it's the other way too. Like you have a baby, you've seen this, that is not doing good. And then all of a sudden, like perks up's and okay. And I don't know what happened here, but thank you, Jesus, right? When that does happen. But see, that's, that's, but then why don't we have, why do we have M&Ms that are so monthly, but why don't we have success ones? You know, why don't we have those things as like, this kid was a 26-weeker and had terrible HIE, grade fours, bilateral, had retinopathy of prematurity, and we're the only ones who will end up, sometimes not even not, depends what kind of NICU doc you are, but then three years later, you're like, oh my God, that kid is like walking around doing fine. But we don't celebrate that, you know? Like my husband's a trauma surgeon, trauma orthosurgeon, and the stuff that he's put back together Nobody ever knows about that. And there it's not it's only celebrated in small communities, but it's not even celebrated within the medical community, is what I'm saying. You know what I think it is? I think it's HIPAA. I think HIPAA has really hurt us on this side. Now, of course, HIPAA was put in place to, you know, have patient protection. And of course, we should be respecting people's data and diagnosis and information. But it's led to a downstream effect that's almost like locked us down and made it so that we can't or we feel like we can't talk about things when in fact we can. We just strip out the identifiers and it's okay. So like for an example, when I was in residency, 
we would always take pictures with the babies that we delivered. Our moms would like bring us pictures in of us, you know, after delivery and that sort of thing. And we would put them on this bulletin board. But we we had to take the bulletin board down because it was a HIPAA violations according to the powers that be. But really, that board was a board of celebration, like what it should be doing. And I don't know exactly how to fix this, but I just want to voice it out into the world that we don't have to be locked down monster machines. And I think that's exactly what you're doing with the fourth trimester is bringing in this awareness, like opening it up, taking the mystique of like staying home from maternity leave. And I know that's a lot about what your book goes into and is the movie there like that as well? Or am I off course? Actually, the movie's totally different. So just really quickly, I don't know if any of your listeners, but I'm the one who will dream movies in my head. Like I will wake up and be like, oh, that was a really good movie. And long story short, one of these dreams that I had is in the process of becoming a little short movie. So I'm super excited. Oh my gosh. I love that even more. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, oh, this is so cool. Like totally detaching from medicine and being like, okay, I can do that. You can do that. You totally can do that. And I think it really comes down to like trusting ourselves, like uniquely trusting that little bit that's inside of us, that's like embedded inside of us. But for so long, we've been taught and indoctrinated not to trust ourselves. You know, don't be weird. Don't be quirky. Don't be different than average. But it's like when we actually lean in to the, you know, fly our freak flag and be a little bit different, that's when we get like the percolating joy from what we do. Total percolating joy. I mean, it's just so exciting to sit with one of these writers and just every week use a different part of your brain and literally go through the whole development process and create characters. And you're just like, this is so cool. And I feel so awesome doing it. So yeah. And I think that brings up another really great point of like, you're not doing it alone. You're not writing the screenplay by yourself. You're not casting. You're not shooting behind the video. Like that you're building a team around you. And I think Sometimes we forget that in medicine, even though we're not the ones rooming the patients and getting all their medical records, even though it feels like it all together. (laughs) But acknowledging like my idea is good enough to work with people to see it through to completion. Yeah, but the problem in medicine is that, yeah, it's the team that does it. But if something goes wrong, you're the the person that blamed, you know, and so the team does not take the blame for it. You're still the captain and the the pilot of it. So you're going to be blamed for it, regardless of how well everything else did not go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that is such a great point. Because as leadership, administration, whoever totes teamwork, we still have to acknowledge like whose name is on the list at the M&M conference or on the lawsuit. And if Mm -hmm. we're going to share the successes, we need to share all of it. Yeah. I mean, there's been so many instances where the team spokes, if you want to say, have been wrongly done from another team member and it's not in your control, but that has caused a catastrophe and now it's on you, but it wasn't even your job. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those. Um, but yeah, um, going back to your first question. So awareness. Yes, definitely to the fourth trimester. And in writing the book, I've kind of learned a lot. And one thing that I've learned is in order to, so awareness is great. I think every mom who's gone through having a baby, every birthing 
person like a doula or lactation recognizes the pitfalls that we do have in the fourth trimester. Even the OBs kind of recognize it as well. But the point, the problem is that it always unfortunately comes back to the bottom line. Is there money in this? Is there a value beyond just the let's help another human being out? Is is there money that can be made off of this? And through my research, I mean, one thing that we are aiming for is, and we're looking at as a guide to tell us if how our postpartum care is doing is mater- uh, maternal mortality. And if you look at United States maternal mortality, we kind of suck. If of all the developing countries, we are, I think the last time I looked at the number, I think France is the closest and it's seven in 1,000 and U.S. was 17 in 1,000. This was in 2000, or 2015 data. And so in the developed countries, we're supposed to be this first world country, but here we have this number that's glaring at us as competing with some third world countries. And what I learned is maternal mortality is actually an indicator of societal and economical health. And I was blown away with that. And I was like, wait, what do you mean by that? And so I did a little bit more digging and research and a societal indicator of health, it just kind of makes sense, right? If you don't have moms, you're not going to have a society if your moms are not being supported. And economically, there was this one study that was actually done in an African nation that showed that with increasing maternal mortalities, as the numbers went up, the gross domestic product of that country went down by 34 cents to the dollar. And this was her mom. And you're just sitting there like, you're like, oh my God. So you're starting to slowly realize that this fourth trimester, though it's, you know, sometimes it's looked on as a fad or sometimes looked upon as, oh, you know, moms are going to be fine. Babies are going to be fine. There's actually revenue in it. There's actually an economical revenue that we are totally missing out on. And I think to kind of broach it into the rest of society, we have to bring it into, and I have to address it that way. And I have to show it that way that, you know, there's money in this because if you lose that mom, first of all, we, we shop a lot, right? Like as, as if you think about it, women are our biggest consumers, well, you're losing a consumer. So how are you going to support this consumer? Well, what do they need? Where do they need the help in the transition? And for a woman, having a child is one of the biggest transitions in life. And we really need to look at it to make sure that we are super supporting that mom and doing it that way. But yeah, it was very eye-opening. And I was like, well, I have to kind of now, this great. I realized the best of it last couple of years, but now I'm going to bring it to the money because that's what always the bottom line is, seems like. Yeah, that really is the bottom line. Like if you really want to speak to people, like you find where it hurts and so much time it goes to the money. I wonder as you're looking through the research for your book, if nations that have more support in like maternity care and even maternity leave have better outcomes. Like for instance, my cousin and his wife are in Canada and I know that she took a year leave for both of those, those kids, even though here down South, we're like scraping by to try to get eight weeks. 
And then also, too, I know that I think it's Finland where they set every mother up with a baby box. So it's like supplies and stuff they have. And the cardboard box also represents like a safe sleeping space as well. You know, I wonder if these companies, by acknowledging that this just isn't like a woman problem, that this is a national health crisis issue, that this does affect our downstream GDP. And there are ripples especially within our minority communities. I mean, in this past year, we have lost two black female physicians and it's just not acceptable. It's time to blow the lid off it. Now, again, like we were talking about, there's no being perfect in this. We all have an expiration date, but why are we averting our eyes from preventable causes of maternal death? I mean, ACOG's done a nice job to address it. They've actually wanted they have if you go on their website they have a tiering system of when you should get care at three weeks versus six weeks and often and everything like that but i go back to the fact is that mom and babies are not separated when they're pregnant (laughs) like they're not right you take care of all of them together we know this is the fourth trimester we know evolutionary why we need the fourth trimester is because We are upright human beings and we have this brain that makes us upright human beings, but being upright, our pelvises are small. So you couldn't really fathom, like we'd have to have huge pelvises in order to deliver babies that are walking like giraffes do, right? So it's recognized that a baby's going through that and a mom is going through the fourth trimester, but then why are we separating them in that trimester again? Like, why is mom getting care in one direction and then she has to get her well child visits another direction and then you have lactation here and then you have, you know, you have a tongue tie. So now you have to go to either ENT or dentist. And sometimes it's like the first two weeks after a baby's been born. And then you're like, no, no, mama, by the way, you got to breastfeed because that's what we as a society have decided Here's my little soapbox. So sorry about that. That's a benchmark of motherhood right now is you have to breastfeed. And you're just like, where did you just give time to this mom to actually breastfeed at all? You know? Yeah. And that's if she has a normal delivery with a fully gestated infant. Yes. And a supportive family and a husband who can take time off and economical support that way. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there's so much that goes in it. And then you're just like, well, and then it kind of seeps into, I just remember being a resident and I mean, I I was terrible at breastfeeding because I didn't know any of this stuff, but I mean, I gave up around, I want to say six, seven, no, sorry. So nine weeks I went back. So around six months it was done. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm supposed to do a year. Like I'm a terrible mom now. Like I just labeled myself as a terrible mom. Rather than looking at the circumstances where I was trying to like do 80 hour work week, trying to pump, getting my pump everywhere, you know, you're just like, why are we doing this? But it's just kind of, again, going back to really, can we start treating the fourth trimester as we treat every other trimester where we have mom and baby together? Like, let's just kind of continue that in care. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, and I just want to let you know, like, you are so much an inspiration to me. And whenever I have anybody that I'm coaching with and they're like, I don't know if I can do this. This is a crazy idea. I'm like, you go to nayacare.org. You go see Dr. Patel, who is a fellowship trained neodatologist, and you look and you see what she is doing. 
you are a light and an inspiration to so many women who think that they're trapped in this traditional system. Oh my God, you're so sweet. Well, really, seriously, because I always tell them like, if she can do it, then you can do it. So I want to give you some space to talk about Naya Care a little bit and kind of give us a sneak peek like behind the curtains and tell people where they can find you and follow you. So you can follow me on Instagram. It's Naya Care. On Facebook, Naya Care Colorado. And then on my website is NayaCare.org for that. And please, um, I do almost everything. I did a little bit of business coaching for this particular model back in June, July. And it was really fun for three physicians to come on to just kind of see what I do, see behind the curtains. So I'm totally open for that and up for that. And just from anything, if you just need to be like, I want to do this and I need to push, please reach out. So always available. Reach out. Yeah. And talk a little bit about it too from the patient side. So you talked about how like when you first start, when we first met, um, it was like 10 patients and then it was a couple more. But then this last year, it really started to take off. When you go on the website, what is the suggested packages are your traditional, like instead of going to the clinic, we'll come to you. So traditionally speaking, if you deliver in a hospital setting, you'll the post-discharge is about two to three days. Now it's actually one to two days just because of COVID. So we'll come out. I bring my whole clinic with me. It's 60 minute appointments, um, everything, lab support, everything. I've dealt with phototherapy we've done at home as well too. So which is really exciting and kept the babies out of the hospital during COVID times, which has been very fulfilling in that as well. And we do literally everything at home for baby from medical standpoint, from a lactation standpoint as well. Like I said, if you need a clip ties for the anteriors, I do that as well. And then from the mom's side, we really focus on wellness, really trying to break down the barrier of what is normal transitions versus where it is postpartum depression looks like what is just like, I'm not feeling good looks like. And what I've noticed, like I, before I used to quote it, like I'd be like, oh yeah, 30% home health visits reduce postpartum depression by 30%. And what I've realized is why that is so is because someone's welcoming me into their home. They're opening up to me. They know my story. They know that I suffered through it twice. And they're just more willing to be like, I'm not feeling good or I'm not doing good. And they know I'm not going to be judgmental to be like, no, you need to be a perfect mom, you know? So that's been really exciting for it because Naya Care was actually started with that intention. Beyond that, I do some breastfeeding consults for NICU babies as well. So if you're not in Colorado, but you have a NICU baby and you're going home and you're one of those moms that are kind of lost about like where, how can I achieve? Because I really want to breastfeed this baby. How can I go there? So I do some consulting and coaching with that. And then, um, like I said, if any physicians out there just wants to kind of bounce off ideas and stuff, that would be great. So those are, I think, from the patient's perspective as well. And the NICU babies, yes. I I like, I have one set right now, which is just phenomenal. They were 26-week twins that born back in August. So they do qualify for synergists. They do have, so we're trying to provide all their care at the house. So they have least exposure. Definitely they have other subspecialties that they have to go to. but like, nope, we're just bringing the clinic to you. You're going to stay at home. We're not going to get you RSV in this cold season. I mean, it's just, that's very fulfilling to be like, I'm going to do this for you and it's going to be great. And mom's so appreciative. So I really, it's, it's a full circle. Well, thank you friend for coming on the podcast, for 
sharing about the intimate details of your business and your transition, what you're doing. I really think you are such an inspiration from the deepest depths of my heart. Thank you so much. I mean, it's so awesome. And anyone out there who hasn't listened to Erin and her husband's podcast, they are so much fun. So totally pointing out <laughs> here right now. <laughs> you gotta love the married to an alpha yes. female. <laughs> what it's like to hang out in a group with me, to catch me live in person and around all the other amazing women who listen to this podcast. Well, I want to invite you to our monthly free, totally free masterclass that happens the last Sunday of every single month at 2 p.m. Eastern time. That's right. So much fun. So much collective goodness all in one place. We're still doing the Be Happy Now series. And so I break down a topic each month that will help propel you into living a life where you can be freaking happy now. So if interested, jump on the website, burntouttobadass.com and sign up for this next month's masterclass. I can't wait to see you there. Such a good, fun conversation. Can you tell? I really, really love that woman. She is just such an inspiration. Well, for a kick of encouragement today, I want to talk about that thing where I said you can be both. And it comes from homeschooling experience. (laughs) I was helping my third grader write sentences. And so many times he didn't leave space for the and. He just wanted to write the sentence, period, explanation mark, question mark. And I was like, buddy, why can't we use like Anne and make this t- longer? Well, one, he didn't want to write longer sentences because what third grader loves writing. But it really struck me that there are so many times in our life that we just want to say it's either this or that. It's neither this nor that. We make it very binary. But when it comes to exploration and like living in our full fulfillment, you can be both. So let me give you three things I want to talk about. One, just like we talked about in this interview, acknowledge that you can be all both. It's not that you're only a doctor or you're only this role, but that you really can be both. So I have a coaching friend. She lives locally to me. And she was really struggling with, can I really be a life coach and a pastor? I don't know that they really go together. And I remember hearing her getting some coaching around like, but you can be both. And I have another friend who is a retired anesthesiologist and a stand-up comedian. And I remember her story. You heard her on the podcast, Dr. Lynette Charity talking about and acknowledging when she finally realized, oh, I can be both. So the things, the desires within your heart, they're not there by mistake. They're not there just happenstance. You really can be both. Acknowledge that. Two, maybe you don't know what your and or your both or your extra or et cetera is. I want to encourage you to leave space 
to find space. Don't put that punctuation mark in there yet. Just leave it open. (laughs) Going along my writing analogy. Maybe you say like, I am a creative person who loves to just leave the blank open and just start listing and listing and listing and listing and listing. No punctuation marks, no end in sight. Maybe you're trying to figure out what your next steps in life, but you're like, I don't even know what I like to do or what I want to do. Leave space in your life for that. No punctuation marks. Leave space, open space. And that looks different for different people. You know, maybe it's actually like physical time space that you block off in your calendar and leave it. Maybe it's making more space within your home or getting into a bigger space, getting outside, something like that. I just encourage you, if you don't know yet, don't close it up. Don't try to lock it down. Instead, lean into what you do know and then leave space for extra. And last, remember to edit as you see fit. Again, going along my writing analogy, I love to edit, by the way. And I'm not a red pen editor. I'm a purple pen editor. And I love doodles. I love reconstructing. I love this new Wreck Your Journal book that I just got off of Amazon, but I digress. But I want to give you permission as you're leaving space for the and, as you're acknowledging that you can be both, as you're leaving space and not putting in a punction mark, remind yourself you can edit anything you want. Maybe there was something that used to fit in, but now it's like, "Mm, been there, done that, cross it out with your purple pen. Maybe you need to scribble something into the margins that once got lost off and it needs to be edited back in. You have the power of the print, my friend, in your life. So edit as you see fit. And keep remembering, save space, and you can be both. All right, as we get wrapping up again, I got to give my final shout out to Physician Tax Services. Just a reminder to reach out to John McCarthy and his team at Physician Tax Advisors before you set down to handle your taxes this year. Please don't do it on your own. I have made that mistake. (laughs) Taxes are complicated enough. Find some professionals. And I think these guys would be great to work with. So go to drpodcastnetwork.com backslash CPA and get your help today. All right, my friends. Remember, because I always, 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 always want you to remember your life, your calling, your pulse matters. Mm